0: Greetings future fossils. Welcome to another episode of the podcast that explores our place in time. But seriously, we are living in a very unique moment in the history of this planet, possibly anywhere. Something that the stratigraphers and geologists call the Anthropocene, an geological era defined by the impact of human beings on the records that we leave in the rocks. So yes, We are indeed and in fact Literally future fossils The radioactive isotopes We leave in the soil The carbon record that we leave In the ice cores The massive amounts of concrete That we will have left behind us I'm not sure if you're Familiar with the documentary series The World Without Us, but I had a, a blessed opportunity to discuss this really cool show with Chris Ryan, the uh, anthropologist and host of Tangentially Speaking, when I met him uh, at Burning Man last week, which was super cool. He was one of the, the major reasons that I went out and attended it this year. And, you know, we, we thought a lot about what the world will be like after we are gone, but by whom will it be observed? What kind of Things are we leaving in place for people? Had a really great conversation about this, and also about the the urgency of our moment with the extraordinary painter Hannah Faith Yada a few months ago. Now, uh, middle of July, which made editing this episode uh, unusually strange and uncanny and prescient because we found ourselves talking about some things that have come to pass in the news since then. The rumor of human augmented hurricanes as just one of those things. But in general, this conversation leaps into the delightful domain of rebellion through art. The party as a revolution, what it means to recapture the sense of intrinsic wildness that is our birthright as human beings. We're animals, people. We're something that the planet is doing. And our wildness, even if we see it as paved over by culture, that that culture is something that is also a force of nature. It's up to us to restore a balance and a health in the relation between these two ultimately fabricated concepts. In fact, nature is itself just an artifact. The idea that nature is something separate from us is a product or a consequence of the modern world. So what does it mean to rewild ourselves in light of this? We get into this, and it's a super delightful conversation. But first, I want to thank all of you who have been supporting the show on Patreon, Special shout-out to new patrons C. Ryan Mannix and Anomaly. How mysterious. All of you are really helping me out as I transition from a rather unwholesome career as Festival Live Painter to a delightful sense of purpose in the good work as a writer and conversationalist. Hosting and facilitating important discussions about the future of our species and our world. So if you want to support this show and grab a ton of music and writing and other goodies in the process, please hop on over to patreon.com/slash Michael Garfield. Even if you can't support the show with two, five dollars a month, whatever. Then I have an extensive archive of free stuff over there that I would love for you to enjoy, including music like this, which is currently being deployed in the FDA clinical trials, exploring the potential of MDMA to cure post-traumatic stress. You have trauma? You have stress? Roll on over to patreon.com slash michaelgarfield. Grab yourself some tunes, kick back, relax, and reconsolidate those painful memories, please. Also everybody who's been rating and reviewing the show on itunes thank you so much it's awesome i love you it really helps get this into the ears of other people who will benefit and ultimately that is what i'm doing here as a service and you as the wider community have played a very important part in that and i thank you from the bottom of my heart well with that i'm just gonna sign off here and leave you with this awesome conversation folks Hannah Faith Yada on wildness and wilderness, rebellion and revolution, and what it means to be an animal, angel, person here alive on the cusp of chaos as we transition into an age beyond our wildest imaginings. Thanks for ah. joining us, Hannah.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So I was just reading the statement for your latest solo exhibition, yeah. Dancing in Delirium at the Corey <laughs> Helford Gallery, yeah. and yeah. it's super cool, and there's a lot of great things to talk about here. Uh, I I think that you and I are kind of in a a similar headspace with respect to the challenges facing the human being at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into the heady shit, I would love <laughs> to just introduce you as a person and as a painter to the audience. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you got into this and and you know introduce your your work and and your passion, perhaps? Wow.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm from Georgia. Um, I kind of grew up in a very Christian, uh, small town. And I don't know. I think that would, I mentioned that because it, it made me think much more deeply when I got separated and ousted from that community, because not only did I like just lose that religion part, I was, you know, like separated from my family, my friends, everything, like, gone. Uh, So for me, it's been looking under every rock and crevice since then and just kind of figuring out my place in the universe. (laughs) But uh, besides that, yeah, I mean, like, I got interested into feminism in college when I took a, a class and it was talking about bodies and art, and it was a lot about how women were viewed in the art world historically and now and um well of course like i studied art in college and i was interested in it but i didn't know where i was going to go with it and in 2011 i took a chance and went to new york and interned for some artists martin whitfoot and adam miller and i always always mention those because it's like you know i just want to honor my teachers because they they meant a lot to me. So, and then from there, you know, I realized that they were very, very awesome, decent people. And that also had like a very passionate uh viewpoint behind their work. So, you know, that like completely changed my idea of like, is this possible? I was like, I knew it was possible. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life, you know? So yeah, that's, that's basically how it started.
0: <laughs> that's really, yeah. I think, important that you talk about your teachers yeah and all of this because you know the the thing that I keep coming back to again and again with this show is the importance of continuity and like we're living in a world now where I think you and I grew up in a time that by and large I think, you know, in your case also, like maybe specifically moving out of a world that's very narrowly circumscribed by tradition yeah. and then out into like the, you know, post-industrial modern landscape of yeah. art, you know, metropolitan yeah. coastal art world. That's like I grew up, uh, at least at the very beginning, I grew up in L.A. in a world of like amusement parks and entertainment media. Yeah, and yeah. all of that stuff is so focused on... The future, like it's all, it's all very much about like what are we capable of making? How how can we add to the story of progress? And there's less of an emphasis on the value of that which came before, unless you're looking at it like, oh, you know, maybe we can find some pharmaceuticals in this rainforest, or you know, maybe we can we can uh, adapt these fairy tales to make some like grand performance thing. And, and so, you know, you look at our American society now specifically these days, and it's very much like, we don't really have a lot of respect for our elders. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of feeling like no matter what wisdom my parents have and try to convey to me that a lot of it is just not even relevant to this world yeah. because it's changed so much and i yeah. and and yet it's like <laughs> we're losing the the script we're like we, we've lost the plot as a species focusing yeah. so much on the change and like exactly. there really there really is something very essential and basic and and human and necessary about like intergenerational knowledge transfer
1: yeah for sure i mean like that that's the the thing that scares me is that like so much knowledge has been lost. Like I look at, you know, we live in Pennsylvania now and it's like, I'm surrounded by all this lush wildlife and I have no idea what to do with it. You know, like I bet there's some amazing things that you could do with these plants. You know, like if, if there was any, I don't know, (laughs) I had like a headache or, you know, I didn't have any Tylenol, you know, it's like how all this wonderful information that, we've lost because I mean, it's like we were relying on this crutch of technology and for all these people to provide it for us. And we just have like no knowledge of our own anymore. It's like,
0: I don't know. You you put a lot of, (laughs) you put a lot of different species in your artwork. And I wonder like, do you use the, the painting and the the opportunity like the symbolism of a painting to use that as an opportunity to include like specific creatures like you know i mean to kind of new ageify that you know like to talk about like an animal medicine or a plant medicine <laughs> just meaning like the almost the archetypal yeah. quality of it or is that not a thing?
1: Yes and no. I mean, like, I, I I tend to shy away too much from being like, oh, I put this because, you know, like, I want to talk about, you know, the praying mantis and how it goes from, you know, how it could be like a symbol from going to this world to that world. I don't know. Like, I don't really like to just make it so specific. Like, I, I like to put a lot of different things in there so that it feels natural unless i'm not saying something about that if it you know usually like i might make it a more very uh like right now i'm doing this piece with a, a bunch of the same birds and it but it's all about like cannibalism <laughs> 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 like you know like so so when i do like a lot of different animals or or uh plants and stuff like that it tends to be you know like sometimes it's a little bit about symbolism but more often than not, I like to just make it wild, make it, you know, like a, a more about I mean, there are archetypes and I'm kind of like talking around this space right now. But um, I don't make it so general <laughs> if that's the short answer. Yeah,
0: mm. that that notion of the wild is yeah. something that you really emphasized in your statement about this new show and I think about this all the time and this is like one of the, the things I'm most excited to to talk with you about cuz like this you know we we have this notion that we have climbed to the top of the food chain and yeah. that we've made it sort of that we're in we're in charge now and it's like to the point where we're talking about planet scale climatological engineering like we're Mm -hmm. not we're not like proud enough to claim that we control the weather but we're really close we're really close to like it seems like in a few decades people are going to admit yeah okay we created that hurricane to disrupt this particular military operation oh for sure i mean there's (laughs) yeah so but like we're not but we're not really separate from wilderness. And so even to the extent that we've completely eradicated wilderness on earth, we're still sort of like made out of it. And like all of the human activity is like a function of wilderness sort of like, you know, like we, like the city, the city is in the wilderness. Like it's a piece of it. And it's like, I see, I don't know if you think about it like that, but like, I see, uh, you know, so much of the wildness of your your art is actually like a visual echo of some really sophisticated human artist, artistic and cultural traditions, like Polynesian artwork, or you know, the um, I don't know what they call that. It's not like Roticello glasswork, but like the very specific glasswork that shows up sort of sometimes in place of eyeballs yeah, on your yeah. your creatures. Yeah. and I don't know, like what what is what does wild mean to you and how do you and why do you feel such an urge to express that in your work
1: uh, wow um, well to me uh, well to me like the city for instance is like to me that's like a virtual reality that's made out of brick and steel you know that we've created and there are elements that I do like bring into my artwork that kind of I don't know, to me, it kind of gives it this kind of strange, weird quality. Um, so that you have like this sort of artificial motifs that are happening that juxtapose with the very organic forms. Um, wildness for me means, you know, like leave it the fuck alone. (laughs) Like, you know, like uh, we, we talk about wildness, you know, like some people think that Central Park is wild. But, you know, that that's like people have planted trees there, you know, like they garden, they make sure all the weeds are kept out. Like if it was wild, they would be doing nothing to it, you know, just let it be. Um, yeah, I mean, everything I feel like when it comes to you know, our food and all this stuff. I just, I guess my years in the city just made me like realize how toxic the environment was. And I was so frustrated being there because it was so hard to feel like anything that I was eating was good for me. You know, it's like, they spray it with these things that, that ripen it. And, you know, just like, where the hell is my food coming from? Um, but yeah, it's like just, just don't touch it. Like, and it's funny. Like, even when I get on a plane these days, it's like you look out the window and you don't, you don't see like really any stretches of of, of land that don't have any roads on them. They're just like it's just all populated basically, and it really freaks me out because I think that it kind of, I think it came from my early childhood where you know, one of the biggest things I love to do when I got home was escape. I was just like, I'm going to go play out in the woods, but nowhere could I go without stepping into my neighbor's yard. And Mm. uh, yeah, it just (laughs) really drove me crazy. But, um, yeah. Does that answer your
0: question? (laughs) Totally. I had, (laughs) I had this, uh, this is how I reconcile that that sort of childhood trauma, like (laughs) you're talking about stepping into your neighbor's yard. Like I had that happen once where my dad lived on a canal and we were walking, I was walking behind the house and I, and this is in Florida where everybody's got like a screened in back patio. So there, there's a lot of like runway kind of between the house and the canal. And I was just walking behind the houses down the street, and I wave you know I was walking at, past the the neighbor who was out in his backyard and I waved at him and he like got all like aggressive and and like who are you and what are you doing back here wow. and I was like, oh I live next door to you um yeah i'm your you know I'm your neighbor um wow and and it was this this thing of like well we're especially in like we're on the water sort of like you know it's like a creek but it's like we're still there's something kind of special about being on like a beach or or something that yeah I feel like maybe I'm just naive to think that that should be it's like everybody's beach or it's like being in the subway where it's kind of anonymous and kind of shared yeah. and yeah and and yet no I'm totally like on like in between these two invisible lines and exactly and like y- I don't know, like flying over Australia, the lines were different. Like I've, I saw, <laughs> like they have more triangular plots of land, more circular plots of land than they do in the U.S. Uh, and I just like, you're right that like to see it from the air, it's it's obvious where our ideas have started to, to press into, to like imprint and take yeah. form as like, they're like making an impression on the land. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, 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 it's extremely disconcerting. It's like, you know, I mean, it's just like, how did these animals thrive? You know, like we just, okay, so we just moved to this place and you know, it's supposed to kind of be a park. Like it, it's supposed to, you know, like you're not supposed to cut any trees down unless you absolutely have to, or if they're going to like fall on your house, but like there were so many bears here last year and this year they're gone. It's like, oh, I guess they got cold. What the fuck? You know, and then I go to get some flowers the other day and the lady is like, oh, you know, these are deer resistant, but you shouldn't really have a problem because they cold the deers like two years ago. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that was their habitat. We shouldn't even be here. <laughs> you know, like, we we're encroaching on their lands. We should be beating them. Sorry, but maybe that's me.
0: Well, there's, like, uh, did you read uh, Hakeem Bey's Temporary Autonomous Zone, that book? Uh no. i have to write it down. Uh, it's it's really cool. It's, it's, in a way, I think it's, like, the poetry version of your art. Like, it's, mm. I get a very similar... Uh, what he calls ontological anarchism. And he lays it out in this book where he's he basically says that, like, everything that we think is, you know, the empire, uh, everything that we think is, like, the matrix, that all of this stuff is just, like, a bubble that's that has Whoa. formed in the much larger reality that's actual reality. And that it's going to pop. One day it's going to yeah. pop, you know? And that, like... Yeah. That it never really existed in this absolute sense that what really exists is the wilderness. And like, I remember yeah. when I was 16 or so, and we were we were studying the uh, romantic poets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were supposed to go out behind our houses and write about nature and i was mm-hmm. like all these planes flying by and trains <laughs> and cars and stuff and i was like yeah. i just had this moment where something either clicked or snapped depending on what you think is healthy um yeah. and i was like all of this stuff is nature forget you know yeah. just like this plane is this plane is wilderness and it's just not like the kind of wilderness that my body is adapted to yeah that that, that like it's that all this stuff that we think we're doing on purpose, maybe like we're we're just doing it for reasons that we don't really understand. And it's like as automatic as an anthill in some ways. So I, I was like, it's I've been mm. like trying to place my full faith in that view and like try to not see it as like man versus mm. nature. But it's hard. We grew up like this. You know, we grew up kind of being imprinted on. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I see
1: what you're saying. So you, this sort of of progress thing, illusion sort of thing.
0: Well, I I mean, it's like on the one hand, yes, like nature is over here. Like civilization is over here. Or not. But on the other hand, (laughs) there, there's really only one thing happening and we're not in control of it. So I try to, I've been like, Trying to say it's not so much that we're unnatural as it is maybe that we're unhealthy in our – express. like, we could be expressing a much healthier version of natural than we are.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like, I think before we started, like, tearing up the ground to get, you know, steel and all of these other building materials, and I don't – I guess that's like my question with the whole problem of civilization is that I feel like it's gotten to this point where it's unhealthy. It's sick, you know, like it, it's almost like we are breeding this psychological state of mind that just keeps consuming and it keeps making like they said before. It's like, you know, they thought for a while that technology was going to be the savior but it's like the more I feel like the more technology becomes um, very it, it's like you, the more you further it, the more complicated it becomes, the more things you have to have to sustain it. And I think to me, and maybe this is my sort of silly romantic ideas that we need to simplify, you know, like we don't need all this stuff. We don't need all this like very complicated terms or, or like ways of doing things. We we just need to like cut back on all this crap, you know? (laughs) But but, um, so there's, there's,
0: there's like an, um, there's an emotional quality to all of this. And when you talk about the, the the name of the show being dancing in delirium and delirium, as it says here, delirium, as it relates to brain necrosis, The yeah. last gasps of energy <laughs> and synapses that are sparking out. The yeah. flailing, twirling, and searching of the being to grapple with the true nature of the rea- of reality and the divorce of its roots from the earth. And it's yeah. like, there is something... I don't know, like, looking at your stuff, it kind of reminds me of, like, in the Roaring Twenties. Mm. Like, when when everybody realized, like, jazz and all of this stuff came up around the time that people had just lived through the first world war and there's there's this relationship i think between the sort of like existential terror you talk about like the despair and the flailing and the confusion and there being this like sweetness and this color and i feel like you really balance the the beautiful and the grotesque in your work in a way that feels very honest to like what it means to be alive right now, sitting with all of this existential fear and all of these unanswerable (laughs) questions. Well,
1: that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like when I was in the city, you know, you feel like it's beautiful. Like I love watching the lights. I love going out at night, but at the same time, I think that I did come face to face with this existential fear of, of, you know, just being so engulfed in this like kind of consumer society with all these ads, you know, like where I used to work was around like 34th street. So every day I'd have to go to work and there was like all these like stores and ads and things like throwing advertisements at me. And it just, you know, that you get to this point where you're just like, this isn't right. You know, like this isn't how I'm supposed to live, you know, or like, where is just, the being like, how can you just exist in this environment that's constantly like just throwing stuff at you? Um, and like, to me, I, I, when I read like Carl Jung and Eric from like those guys just like clicked immediately because they were talking about sort of this, whole sickness in society where, you know, people are thrown into larger and larger groups of people and, um, where it's like, they go to these cities and you lose this connection with just being just existing with nature. And, but you're like fighting for your life. Basically. It's like your, your ego is kind of like lost in this this other sea of people. And, you know, the ego is so fragile. So, uh, when it's in this mass of people, it, it it has to figure out a way to like, I matter, you know, say that I matter. It's like, how do you figure out that you matter? And, uh, Young says, he's like, you know, the way people do this is they have this need for power and, you kind of see that everywhere. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like, everybody is, is trying to like become these celebrities, especially with the internet. It's like, you know, they want to, they want to show that they have wealth even if they don't have it. And they're it's like, you're constantly trying to look like these people on TV Um Maybe I'm just babbling at this point, but yeah.
0: that's what this is for. The format. <laughs> the format is for deep question babbling. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this but, thing of like the human beings have it, like difficulty with adapting to the scale of modern life. I think is really yeah. fascinating. Like one of, in in a way, it's like I think our real or most people's real objection is to that actually like when you look at the romantic poets you know it's like they didn't they didn't give up any of the conveniences of their lives what they w- rejected seemingly was more about the the way the human being doesn't really fit into a landscape like New York anymore, like it's very like my buddy Mitch Mignano says, he talks to me like New York literally is a giant machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and if you're in that landscape, it's like you're just in that, you know, like that little cartoon Rube Goldberg machine getting tossed around. You know, trying like in a Lo- like uh, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, like trying not to get squished between its gears exactly and and like the f- visions that i have of the future that i really you know like long for and believe in like the believably healthy future is not one that's like lower technology than ours per se but like one in which the like scale of an everyday life of a person is back down to like a manageable level where you're not constantly yeah. bombarded by news from other places that they're trying to convince you is relevant to you and so you're mm-hmm. you're feeling the fear of every single person in every country about their their problems that they're having over here which admittedly like it's probably important to know some of that stuff but like yeah. the amount that we allow some sort of like tribal dispute between people 8000 miles away from us to affect how safe we feel on a daily basis is just nuts.
1: Yeah. Well, that that's that's also like can be argued for our sort of dipl- displacement in the universe is that we have all this information coming at us all, at all times. And so like we hear about wars where people, millions of people or thousands of people are getting killed. And, you know, like it, it's it's all reinforcing this idea that we don't matter. And our ego is like, no, you do matter, you know, like. Like, and and it kind of comes out in subconscious ways. And to me, I feel like um, if we don't, if we don't like realize this and kind of bring it to a conscious level and kind of come to terms with this sort of, you know, idea that um, it's like, what we're sort of confronted with with and maybe I might regress into conspiracy theories but it's like
0: we'll go you know, anywhere like, I'll follow you <laughs> I will follow you all the way into conspiracy theory conversational mordor
1: oh man oh very awesome well yeah I mean I feel like it's all kind of this this fear fear-based reality that we're living in which controls us and sort of is is trying to you know mess with us on a subconscious level so that, you know, it, it, we are manipulatable, manipulatable, you know, like anyway, yeah, that's, that's without going too far into conspiracy land. Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> so I think, you know, maybe another symptom of this would be the, the proliferation of cute pet videos online. Like, like, I honestly, I think most of us are so like, just overwhelmed by the pace of things these days that it's, it's very easy to just be like, I'm going to clock out. And and in the same way that I that, you know, my parents generation, so many of them, I think, you know, they got home from, from work every day and like, just watch television. You know, yeah. and it's like now the TV is always there. It's like in little, little bite, bite-sized pieces. But there's something. On the one hand, you've got you know skyscrapers and trillion-dollar deficits, and the the singularity. Like, who really is like who who really sits down and like thinks about an age in which machines are just like smarter than us and can outmaneuver us in every way and it's like yeah i am like not freaking out about that like i i'm i'm excited ab- about things you know i get i get excited about the like transcendental potentials of stuff but it's because I, there's something broken inside me and from an yeah. early from an early age i've always been like super fascinated and curious about terrifying shit you know like if it's scary I'm curious about it and so it's like that's really what it is it's like oh no 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 it's like this stuff is really uh, you know like an age where anybody can print their own drugs in their bedroom out of like Mm. a little chemical printer is an age where like everyone has access to chemical weapons also can like make their own chemical weapons and like trying to I don't know now we're both ranting (laughs) But, uh, but, you
1: know, like, I think,
0: I think it's, uh, to try and like weave this back into your artwork, there really is, there is a sense of, of like, um, almost like Dionysian celebration or like a, like just this urgent explosive, you know, Party like it's 1999 kind of vibe <laughs> <laughs>
1: well yeah i mean like well i guess to me you know i like to think of my work as more of this very strange sort of awakening of a rebellion but i don't know you know like everybody has different views when they come to my work but uh no it's true i mean like i feel like with the whole you know animal videos It's actually kind of cool because I feel like people are are starting to be like, oh, wow, you know, I can make friends with a bear or something like that. But at the same time, you know, if you overdose on animal videos all the time, it's like uh, you don't really think about life. So you just go to work, you do your job. You come home, and you know, if you get bored at some point, maybe you're just scrolling through Instagram and spend the rest of the evening looking at animal videos. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Can we talk about rebellion since you brought it up?
1: <laughs> sure. Where do you want to start from there?
0: Well, I mean, y- you know, you've mentioned that th- you've got a strong thread of feminism running through your stuff, and there's yeah. obviously. A really, again to to go back to Hakeem Bey's stuff. There's a definite connection between a party and a revolution, Mm -hmm. you know. And and I think that it's very easy to see on the one hand, like a a kind of urgent celebration, also being a, a, a rebellion, like you you're mentioning here, or that like, you know, when people talk about going into the jungle and there just being species everywhere, flowers of all different kinds, insects, and it just being this, the word that they, that you might use for that is like riotous.
1: Mm-hmm. That yeah, this, yeah.
0: And so, you know, that's, that's what we, I had JF Martell on the show before and he he wrote that book reclaiming art in the age of artifice you know and it's for for him i think it's it's very much about art as a window into the transcendental which Mm -hmm. is in that sense of like you know hide your eyes from the face of god you know like it's it's just this explosive thing that to one person is like an explosive evolutionary upset of of the order of our lives and to somebody else is just like a blissful orgasmic opening, you know, but it's the intensity that you really capture in your stuff. And I'm curious, I would love to hear you say more on rebellion <laughs> and like what's, what's going on right. stuff. I because mean, cause sure. not everyone who sees your work is, necess- is going to listen to this obviously. So like, yeah. you're not, uh, don't feel like you're, you're like ruining someone's <laughs> ability to interpret their your your stuff for themselves
1: yeah that that is the funny thing about explaining artwork, isn't it? It's like you don't really want to uh, kind of close those uh, doors of perception when people kind of come to face to face with your artwork, but yeah, I mean, but rebellion's important to you. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, well, for starters, I think that this sort of kind of <laughs> this whole like sort of nude, naked uh, female figure kind of originated. I think looking back from my sort of self-conscious as this like um, rebellion against like my Christian background and how strict it was, it's kind of like, you know the ultimate rebellion for me physically was to like dance around naked and just be like fuck you you know i'm not pretty it's cool you know it's like i've got this weird stuff going on over here it's like you know it wasn't the beautiful female that like is is pictured in historical paintings and and stuff like that um but as it progresses it's funny because it's it's almost been like it's almost been like 8 months since my show and I didn't discover the concept of the divine feminine until like really recently and I was reading about it and it's like wow you know this has so much to do with my work you know it, it's not it's not about like specifically like gender it it's more about this concept of of you know this this conscience or this consciousness that, you know, benefits all things and is this sort of life force of the natural world. And, you know, like some people might say it's like the guy in mind or something like that, but I feel that in a way, I see it more and more in artwork as like more artists are talking about this technological world and what we're doing to it. Um, and yeah, for me, it, it is like this idea of just like casting off this weight of, I don't even know where to go from here. I mean, like, I just feel like our footprint is so heavy at this point. Um, and yeah, to me yeah,
0: it's like carrying all that shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's like you just want to move. You just want to like be free without like this stuff, you know? Like I just get overwhelmed every time I move. I'm like, "Oh my god, I have so much stuff."
0: But yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> no, that's totally yeah. it's totally like this since I was a teen, I've I've been just like go through these periodic purge phases where i'm just like i start getting kind of awkward and irritable and then i realize that what it is is i've just got to like unload about a 100 pounds of personal possessions that it's uh, like yeah. it's, it's almost by weight and yeah again I, that sort of goes back to the issue of scaling like when you look at the I don't know I, there was I think it was National Geographic that did that awesome project where they took families from all over the world and they put them in front of their houses with all of they took all of their belongings out of the house and laid it out on in front and you see you see what people considered sort of a normal set of possessions from yeah. culture to culture and of course the Americans had like so much stuff and. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, we really don't need, like, living anywhere else in the world, they, they, don't, they don't even have, it's like a fraction of a fraction of this. and And it's like 5,000 Facebook friends, you know, when in reality, you're only going to remember like 300 people well. Oh,
1: of course, yeah. You know?
0: And it's like, maybe I'm convinced that I'm just like a canary in the coal mine as far as like getting stressed out by having to keep track of too many personal belongings. Yeah. You know, and that gets back to that. Just like, just rip it off and run. Just. Yeah. It's like, did you, you know, Barbara (laughs) Ehrenreich wrote a book, Dancing in the Streets, where she connects these two ideas of dance, uh, dance and like revolutionary change.
1: Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I yeah. haven't
0: read it, but people keep bringing it up to me because it's like you really get into that that thing about the, the role that festivals and celebrations have in getting us out of our normal lives and like opening a window to um, let a new order establish itself.
1: Yeah, I think there's something very... Freeing revolutionary in the psychology and also just the spiritual practice of dancing, um I hate to use those terms because it's like uh, I kind of hate the idea of religion, but yeah, I mean, like spirituality is is something that you know is is completely different to, from religion to me anyway. Um, well, I mean, I used to be extremely religious, but I had no spirituality <laughs> or I thought I did, but it was a total sham. But yeah, I mean, like I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there is something so ultimately freeing and beautiful about just being extremely free in your body, and your mind, because yeah, I mean, you can't, free your body without freeing your mind. Well, to me anyway, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Can I ask, can I ask a kind of, you you've probably been asked this question before, but I look at all your pieces and none of them have a human face. Oh yeah. (laughs) And you know, for me, for me, I've always been, kind of like soft on faces as an artist. Like I'm not good at them and that's why I don't do them. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I've, I've, I've avoided it like the plague. Uh, but in your case, you're such a talented artist that it's clearly intentional. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the feminist themes and you know, your, your decision to use the body as more of a symbolic v- instrument or vehicle or where, you know, what's, what's going on there? Cause you're not, you're not shy of animal faces, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very like 21st century hieroglyphics, sort of in that sense.
1: Yeah. I did I did uh, I did B.O.B.'s face, but that was a commission. Um, I'm not fond of, of human faces, and I'll tell you why. Like, for me, seeing somebody's face and having to analyze every single detail, every wrinkle, every little nuance is just, you know, like, if you if you think about painting and it's, historical significance it's like you're immortalizing this person you're immortalizing their ego Mm. um to me though like i think it's all about more or less the abolishment of the ego and this realizing that we're we're a part of nature that we like we see ourselves in nature. And I think that was like the, the beautiful idea of the pagan religions and, um, all of these, you know, more ancient traditions of seeing yourselves and animals or seeing personalities or spirits and mountains and landscapes, or, you know, seeing the sea as a being in itself or mm-hmm. a God or a goddess. Um, Yeah. Like, I feel like to me, that's when we had more of a respect and, and a relationship with the world around us. Uh, now I feel like we're sort of burying our faces in the television screen or our iPhones, (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, it's like, like, I'm, I I don't want to shit on, uh, portraiture because I think it's beautiful, but it's just not what I'm you know that's i guess that's not my statement
0: so yeah. it seems like you know when i look at your s- stuff again a- as an expression of the zeitgeist like if i think of the artist as just somebody who's doing the work of communicating something bigger than all of us yeah it's like trying to be a story that's trying to be told and in the history of art you know there was at the very beginning our human figures and our our animal figures were merged, you know, in the, the, the shaman image or, you know, the, the Typhonic stuff, the centaur, all of the, you know, the Egyptian gods. And as we grew out of it and sort of, you know, solidified that line between the city and nature, then we lost that. But now we're at a point where... We're getting back into this. I think, you know, there's a lot of ways in which electronic cultures are more like pre modern oral cultures, right? Like, that's a Marshall McLuhan talks about this. Like, we're no longer distancing ourselves from what we read. You know, it's not merely visual. We're surrounded by media now in a way that the book doesn't do it. Like, the book is at arm's length. Constantly, it's like a tiny little thing, whereas mm-hmm. now it's like everyone's walking around with their Bluetooth earbuds and you know it's it's the internet is literally surrounding you in that way, like you hear it, it's all everywhere all the time and and so there's a it's more like acoustic resonant networked we're more like embedded in or immersed in our media than our parents or our grandparents were. Uh, Or, you know, the people were two, three hundred years ago. And there's like a, I would, it seems like the trend is toward like what you're, you're talking about, like a diminishment of the ego and a replacement of that, that isolated self with something that emerges out of its natural environment, something like where we really maybe more like ancient people's like, there's a, like, I don't know, just pointing to stuff like cosplay and furries and like how, like kids, like how it's totally cool that kids wear tails and ears now. You know? And, and how yeah. I can see that in another couple decades, it being like kind of a thing for kids to actually have tails, you know, like they, could like mom, I want to grow my own tail. Let me grow my own tail. Okay. I don't know. Just like it just, I think we're sort of like in order to gain what we in order to like reclaim our full humanity, it seems like we are actually giving up some of what we thought it meant to be human to make us uniquely human. And then like we're 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 able to by doing that, we're able to reclaim the part of us that is an animal and the part of us that's like. I don't know again with the spirituality language but like the angelic or like transcendental part of us yeah. if we just pull the pretentious prideful human piece of it out
1: Well yeah I mean I guess that's 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 it. I mean, you know, like I I feel like everything today is sort of this dance of trying to to keep the ego so that it doesn't fly off into space because, you know, there's so many things that threaten us. And in a lot of ways, it's like, Oh, I don't have 5,000 Facebook friends. I'm nobody, you know, like, <laughs> I had a friend before that seriously did not get hired for a bartending job because he didn't have enough Facebook friends, what? like yeah, no, like it's, it's, it's evil it's, it's disgusting, like so people you know they build up their profiles online and they they friend a bunch of people that they don't know, and they put all these pictures of themselves on the internet to make themselves look good and they they pose next to cars whether or not they have them, and it's like that's that's not. Life, you know like like how is how is going to a job that you hate and trying to be friends with people you don't like and maybe that I'm I'm just like horrible thinking everybody's life is that way but I feel like from knowing a certain amount of people that was the case a lot you know um so for me like having these these weird faces that you know do not conform to most people's idea of beauty um are sort of this whole like rebellion of like like it doesn't have to be pretty you know like i like this idea of this this mystery and this grotesqueness this like wildness but like you don't exactly know what's going on because if, you know, you or I were thrown out in the wilderness tomorrow, it's not like there's some nature God that's going to overnight protect us. (laughs) You know, like it's wild out there. Like actual wildness is wild. (laughs) And, you know, like to me, it's kind of communicating this, this spirit of this, these beings out there. Um, and like, I think that the Japanese Shinto religion has like thousands of these like beings and they have all these different terms for them. And, you know, like, it's so interesting because it's like, they have this spirit that's like in every rock and every tree and some of them are good and some of them are bad. But, um, yeah, for me, it's just kind of like intertwining this kind of strange language into my work, if you will.
0: I was just talking to Hunter Motz yesterday for the he runs the uh Mixed Mental Arts podcast and he was making this case about the Shinto stuff and giving you know it's like m- so many you know modern kind of the new atheists for example <laughs> they, they they were seeing they see this as just a, a an empty and ridiculous superstition like a waste of human brain power But he was saying, no, this is a very ancient piece of us because it's just it's like a cognitive hack. Like, you know, that as a human being, if you give something an identity, if you personalize it, if you personify it, then you care about it more. And that's what that's that's it's not like these tribes, these indigenous peoples living in New Zealand and South America and all these places. It's not like they're idiots. You know, they don't think the river is a person.
1: No. They've no. gotten in that yeah. habit.
0: They treat it like a person because it makes it easier to think about because after all we are just human beings. And but then also because it it encourages responsible behavior. <laughs> like it encourages us to like to treat our environments with respect.
1: Exactly. I think yeah, for sure we like we have more moral codes when we go to war against other people than we do like hacking through a rainforest. Yeah, I mean, so to be able to personify things and think of them as, like, these living personalities helps us to remember, like, you know, our sort of respect for these things.
0: Do you ever think much about the kind of future that you want to live in, You you that you hope the next generations come up in?
1: Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> like... I border between being so overwhelmed with what's going on, and you know, I, I, at this point, I'm like, no children, no children. You know, like it's not going to happen, not in this world. You don't but, want it,
0: or you're just like,
1: well, both. It's just kind of like I don't really have a feeling for. Oh, I must have a child, or but I also am just like, are you kidding me? And this sort of like political, economical climate, like, I don't even know if
0: I'm going to live to see
1: 50 by this point, (laughs) but,
0: um, it's probably a good attitude to hold on (laughs) this. Like that, that way, if you're 39 and and you get hit by a bus, you're not like, I've been robbed.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, you know, growing up in the religion I did, I didn't even think I was going to see 20. So, um, 50 is old for me, but. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um <laughs> <Chris. sighs> the sort of world that I envision if I had kids or if, you know, any other children extended family of mine growing up in, I would envision it to uh <sighs> oh, that's a hard question. I mean, there's so many things that have to happen before you know, any of these things seem like a, a, any sort of reality, you know? Like, it just kind of feels like the train is rushing for the wall at this point. <laughs> um, but I would probably love to have little feral children that are running around in the forest, but uh, living off the land and not having tons of plastic toys, stuff like that.
0: But- Unschooled.
1: yes unschooled.
0: am hands are in the dirt
1: yeah oh man I was like listening to something today and it was talking about how much schooling just it it doesn't teach you how to think (laughs) you know like we aren't taught how to think we're taught how to memorize you know like we're so sucked into this like mass media concept of either you got to vote for Hillary or vote for Trump it's like oh there there's not another way we can't just say neither of these bitches <laughs> sorry um but yeah anyway
0: totally yeah i well I, again it it i don't know if you've heard of like rewilding yeah but yeah that that whole notion that we can reshape our society to be sort of more like the society that we evolved to a de- like the the kind of situation that a Paleolithic human being was in, but one that that would you know presumably have all of the benefits or me- most of the benefits of our lives, but like you know, like shoes that don't destroy the arches of your foot and fuck up your posture. You know, or all of these other things that we've done that are supposedly conveniences, but they actually become prosthetics that that uh, diminish our our native potentials for things, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting that you brought up like the whole Paleolithic side of it because I was – kind of reading some of Maria Gimbuta's stuff and she was like an, is archaeol. Oh, so you know her? No,
0: no, please. No. Don't oh, okay. This is, <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: We're into- yeah. Uh, yeah, we're getting into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's like, she found this ancient, ancient civilization that's, you know, she thinks kind of originally originated in the paleolithic area, uh, time period. Um, where it was this matristic society where I believe it was based on agriculture. Um, but the whole thing was that like, they had this respect for the concept of the divine feminine. And so, you know, like they, um, they wouldn't even, like, basically, like, poke the, the earth with a stick, you know, like, that was disrespectful. Um, and she found, like, all these these figurines and, and symbols. Um, so basically, like, you know, like, the breast and the buttocks of these, like, sculptures, you know, like, the Venus of Willendorf, kind of think of that sort of thing. And they had, like, these spirals on them. And so, like, she was talking about how... Like the, the concept of the, these sort of protruding forms, like these breast shaped forms, like they worshipped them everywhere in nature. Like if it was a rock, if it was a hill, everything, um, they sort of worshiped as like this sort of spirit. Um, and we were talking about something, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's like, it, that's like, uh, you know, Mark, uh, Henson. We just had him on the podcast he does he's out in uh on the west coast and he's he's a an older visionary artist and like a lot of his stuff is landscapes with human features so like wow. you'll see yeah. the, the mountain range and it's just like what you're talking about you'll see the mountain range and it's a reclined sort of female form or like these two f- uh forests or uh weather formations are coming together to be a couple making love and i feel like his stuff in some way is like the yang to your yin or his is the yin to your yang you know like (laughs) you've got you've got all of this wildness that's erupting uh out of the human form and Mm -hmm. his is like the human form sort of hidden in or implied by and emerging out of out of the wildness and like you both, yeah. I guess if you followed them all the way around to the other side, then you, they would click. Yeah. But
1: that's really cool. Yeah. I think I, I think I've probably come across some of his work. Um, that's awesome. uh,
0: (laughs) So we ought to wrap it up in in a few minutes here, but I want to give you the opportunity to like, in this being a, a uh, recording for the digital museum, the archive that will one day be hopefully unearthed by archaeologists in their attempts to understand our age, you know, like what, what if any messages or questions do you have getting back to that sort of intergenerational thing, you know, like if you're going to be, you're an ancestor one day, like they're going to be studying your stuff in art class whatever that means you know they'll be downloading your bio into people's brains or whatever and and <laughs> look of a horror and yeah <laughs> but like you know one day you're going to be the elder you're going to be the the ancestor the one that came before so like what what messages would you hope to relay to the future as a distinguished elder in her youth
1: Distinguished elder in her youth. What would you say to your future self? Wow, that's the thing, you know. Like every year I get older, I look back and I'm like, ah, God, I didn't know anything. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think I think the biggest question for me at this point is just like, how did we even get to this point? You know, like I don't. I guess there's so much that, that has been spinning around in my head as far as, you know, like we see this like insanity of what we're, we're doing and, you know, maybe a lot of people don't even like pay attention to it. Or maybe people think that it's like conspiracies, but it's like, the the whole like thing with the chemtrails or if you believe in like the whole, um, H A A R P like, like, and this whole idea of some people that, you know, that there's, there's people out there that are trying to depopulate the earth. I think the biggest question for me is like, why are we depopulating when we could just be drawing down? Because it's, been proven that educating women and giving them an opportunity and giving them empowerment, you know, that like they make wiser decisions based on that. Like, like women that are um, suppressed and, you know, put into this, just this idea that they should make babies. Of course, they're, they're going to make babies, but I don't think you know, like at this point, it seems like there's just like this baby making machine and the population keeps growing and we just keep like digging ourselves into this deeper and deeper hole. Um, but it's just like, why? Uh, so for me, like I think the biggest thing would be like give women empowerment so that they, 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 you know, because I, I feel like, women have this this understanding of life because they create life um and and I do think that if we were able to have coherent human beings that thought about the the planet and you know our own future generations making decisions and I'm not talking about Hillary Clinton <laughs> But, you know, like, like really people that were able to think for themselves, I just, yeah, to me, that's like the biggest thing is is like, uh, I would like to see that. But, um, as far as, sorry, what was the question again?
0: (laughs) message for or questions to the future
1: i guess that's a lot of questions um yeah empower your women (laughs) empower the earth see it as this divine creature that you're a part of we're just like these little tiny skin cells basically on it and we're doing a lot of damage right now but that's that's my thought anyway <laughs>
0: That's a fine thought. Where can where can people go check out your stuff?
1: Uh physical places?
0: Let's I mean I'm gonna post your website in the show notes and stuff, but if you want to just give people all your your web infos. Oh so sure. that if they for whatever reason, you know, sometimes the, the audio becomes decoupled from the <laughs> other stuff. So if somebody's just listening to this, like flying, if somebody's listening to this podcast in traffic with their window open and they think that you just said something amazing as they're like stuck in traffic next to somebody, then they're gonna like, who is that incredible person? Where do we send them?
1: Uh, internet wise. Um, okay. So internet, I guess I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook the most as Hannah Yada.
0: H-A-N-N-A-H-Y-A-T-A.
1: Yeah. Folks. <laughs> he elaborates
0: it, yes. And and we will actually put this out pretty soon. So if you have any big shows coming out this year that you want to tell people about?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I'm doing this weird little mushroom show kind of based on um, the sacred mushroom and the cross with my husband, which is a fun little book. Um, (laughs) have you heard of that?
0: I have heard of that. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. It is wild. Um, and then next year I am working on a solo show with Banneros, Um, and hopefully that'll happen in April.
0: Yeah, Feneros Gallery in uh, where they're, they're in Nevada City, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super are. cool. Yeah, that's that's where I I was uh, talking with Matteo at the Maps Conference, and that's where I I got to see some of your original paintings for the first time.
1: All right, I that's awesome. that, yeah.
0: And it's like they really are. Uh, you know, sometimes it's like somebody's it work's really impressive online and like lame in person or vice versa. But your stuff is awesome when marked for 90% reduction and just as awesome when you're sitting in front of it and you're like, oh, so, (laughs) so thanks for doing what you do.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me on. It's been, it's been fun. (laughs)
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Future Fossils is part of the MindPod Network, an amazing collection of podcasts along with Third Eye Drops, Synchronicity Podcast, It's All Happening, The Astral Hustle. Be sure to go to mindpodnetwork.com and check it out. And if you'd like to support this show, patreon.com slash Michael Garfield. Thanks again. Until next week.